Oh. Howdy, everyone. It's a Not So Common Podcast for Tuesday, December 11th, 2018, or exactly two weeks away from uh, Christmas on Pat Country. How's everyone doing out there? I, I might, 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 might do an NES Punk video for Christmas since last year. I technically did one for Christmas last year while, while I was trying to move out of my condo. It was a Steam Events video. I wanted to get it out earlier. It ended up being like a Christmas video, but not really. So we'll see. No promises, of course, since I'm I'm busy as all heck uh, a lot of times, especially around this year. Well, last year was the busiest I ever, ever had ever been around the holidays. But um, I don't have the energy I used to. Like the first Christmas video I did in 2010. Wow, eight years ago. Wow. Um, I wrote, shot, and edited all about six days, and that included buying all the crap for the for the room that was the TurboGrafx 16 holiday, you know, special. And since then I've done a master system one. I did a star Wars Christmas. I did another TurboGrafx 16 one. And then I did not, I did like, did like five Christmas uh, episodes. We'll, we'll see. I might be appearing on another Christmas episode that I can't tell you about right now. That might be coming out around the holidays for another, uh, another YouTuber. We're all YouTubers out there. Um, so things have been going all right around here. I actually, um, had a attic ladder put in and I don't know why I don't know why I didn't do this about I don't know 7 months ago cuz I have a lot of storage upstairs so I couldn't get to it easily cuz you'd have to put a ladder down and get through the little crawl space little cover thing but now I got this uh larger uh attic ladder space so I can bring boxes up and down so that means a lot of the crap around here I can just shove it up there and being that I have an attic fan you know it'll keep it cool and my storage concerns uh, should be should be gone by the wayside. You know what that means? Back to the flea market to buy more shit. That's no, it doesn't. It just means that I want to be able to see the floor of my game room and then the other rooms in the house. Right now, there's probably only one room that's actually clean. That's like my my like master bedroom is clean. Other than that, there's crap on the floor of all the other rooms. Eh, the kitchen's okay. Eh, eh, living room. Eh. <laughs> or I'll just live in my backyard. I can just do that. I got a barbecue out there. I can. Uh, I can just you know sleep in the porch. I can grill up some uh, some some burgers, some flex pro meals. I can, I can grill some Omaha steaks. I can grill them on, my, on the grill. No, um, but uh, it's been a it's been a wild year. It's not it's not over yet. There's still an announcement to come in the near future. Like I said, it might be an NES Punk video as well, and then another announcement or something next year. There's always stuff going on. There's always stuff going on in uh, in, in country in country land at, at Castle Country. Um, before I sat down to record this, I, I actually um, I, I, I set my DVR to record uh, forty-two to one, which is the story of the one of the biggest upsets in sports history, if not the biggest. Uh, Buster Douglas defeating Mike Tyson for the championship. That was back in what was that? Was that January or February or March of nineteen ninety when Tyson was on top of the world? He had been champion for. You know, like, like almost was it five years at that point. Uh, youngest heavyweight champ ever at like 18, 19. And then Buster Douglas comes in and, and he beats him. He beat, he beat him clean. He, he, you know, he got knocked down the fight, but he was he was the winner of that fight. He clearly was dominating most of that. And then he knocked Tyson the F out. And Tyson was never the same after that. And Tyson was only like 23 years old uh, then. And so while though I was, um, while I was recording that, uh, or going to record, I saw that another thirty for thirty was on. It was the last days of uh, of night, as in uh, Bobby Knight. So Bobby Knight 
was a basketball coach. I believe he, he retired in 2008. Um, and he used to uh, coach for Indiana for like, what was it 35 years? Something like that. Uh, he coached, uh, from, he coached Indiana from 71 to 2000. So about 30 years, uh, he coached for the Hoosiers, you know, you know, the, the famous Hoosiers, at Indiana university. So Bobby Knight was, um, he was very charismatic. You could say that, but he also was very domineering and uh, very exacting of his players. And he was a bully. He would yell at, at the players, get in their faces. One of those type of, uh, uh, coaches, not the very uh, kind, cuddly, or even you know decent coaches like you see other basketball coaches like Coach K, where they're like, "Oh, this seems like a pretty nice guy." Bobby Knight doesn't sound like a nice person, uh, and um, this led up to uh, a time period in about two thousand when all this stuff was coming out about Bobby Knight being a nasty coach um, and that he was verbally abusive to his players. Uh, one of the most famous incidents is that. You know, it was like I think it was like halftime, and he walked out, and he drops his pants, and he literally wiped his ass with toilet paper, and said to the, his team, "These are these are kids, by the way, college kids, saying this is what you're playing like, meaning shit." Just not, just not the not the type of person that. Well, if I was a parent, I'd want my kid to be around uh, anyone like that, let alone a coach. So it comes out that it went beyond that. It was actually bad for a long time, and he was probably doing this all through the '70s and '80s. But in the '90s, it seems like things were changing, and kind of harder to keep that sort of a coaching technique going for so long without people getting word of it. And some more, so players started to speak out about it and there was murmurings and that of, of incidents. And then it, it started to make headway that one player might've been physically assaulted, that he was choked and his name was Neil Reed. So it turns out that people were denying this. And then, and you know, you had, um, um, you had the people, the students at, at Indiana, would come out and, and you know hold rallies for the coach. Say, oh, this, this is BS. We believe in our coach. We want our coach. Blah 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 blah. When you're 18, 19, you do stupid shit for your college or university. It doesn't fucking matter. It's it's a it's a dumb loyalty so they can get money out of you, the university and college after you're you're gone when you're an alum. That's that's basically what they try to do for. Yay, school spirit means we're, we we want your money 30, 40 years from now when you're hopefully rich and you can get back to the school. Uh, these universities are businesses. Anyway. Anyway, they make money. Anyway, so there turns out to be one one kid uh, named Neil Reed who coached for um, for Bobby Knight, and it turns out that you know another player uh, corroborates that. Yeah, I saw him. Oh, I didn't think he got choked, but he put his hands around his neck. Said the other player. So big investigation, and then they're anonymously CNN. They did, they're running their story in two thousand. They get the the videotape of Bobby Knight putting his hand around Neil Reed's neck and, you know, and, and you can see Neil just like jerk back. He's getting choked for, it was like a good three seconds by, um, by his coach. And so, uh, Neil Reed didn't want to talk about it at the time until he started getting attacked by Bobby Knight, um, and attacking, you know, his father and things like that. So, um, it was just a strange situation all around. So finally, Neil Neil seemed traumatized by this, and this is all going back to thirty for thirty. He didn't want to talk about it. He realized he realized it was right to talk about him being bullied and the fact that he was assaulted and he was treating people like shit. Bobby Knight and Bobby Knight, you know, was treating the, the director of the university like shit. He had a lot of power in Indiana. He was there for thirty years. So, um, 
Bobby Knight eventually gets fired. He get, was on the coach at Texas Tech um, and then holds a grudge against Indiana for firing him, which they should have uh, up until this day. And then he goes on ESPN. I remember seeing, seeing him on ESPN after he left Texas Tech and wondering why is ESPN hiring this asshole to be doing uh, comment, you know, commentating for, for college basketball. Don't you know this guy's a piece of shit? Uh, didn't matter. So he's gone. He was gone a few years ago, I think. But, um, so the, the best thing about this 30 for 30 is that it, you know, uh, was the person producing it realizing that there was a big story when the same guy producing the 30 for 30 was, was trying to do the research back in 2000. And he didn't realize that this young kid was so damaged by this incident. At that time he was interviewed back in like 2000, this, this, this kid was only like, you know, in his early twenties still or like 24 or so. Um, but the kid was obviously traumatized by this. And this was not the only incident. This is the only one that got captured on film. And he goes tries he tries to go back to find um Neil Reed uh years later, and unfortunately he passed away at the age of thirty six in uh, in California. Um he had moved out to California, he got married, had some kids, and then he became a beloved, a beloved uh high school coach. Like everyone loved him. They were you know, when he died, you know, the, the, the high school, you know, had a memorial and all, and all that. So I didn't think I'd start this topic with this podcast, but it's my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want. But you have a classic case of someone who was uh, bullied and so much that it affected them the rest of their life in some way. Even his wife said one time she playfully went to grab his throat and he turned away. That's how he had like PTSD from this. But he turned it around and he... And and Neil Reed, he rose above. He rose above um, the damage that it did to his psyche, and that it did to him, you know, as a young man being abused uh, by that coach. To his credit, and he passed away of a uh, a massive heart attack at 36, unfortunately. But it sounds like he lived a, a good life, and he and he he found purpose for himself. Uh, wasn't easy, but he did. And and so I want to just send a message out there because this is something that is one of my biggest, um, I guess, concerns. This is something that I grew up with and, and experienced myself and saw others, uh, fortunately for myself, unfortunately for others, getting treated worse than me when it came to bullies. Um, so in, in, especially in grade school, there were a lot of bullies. Uh, I was bullied. Uh, I was called, you know, I was called fat and you know i wore glasses so i was four eyes and my name was pat so fat pat was the easiest thing to say um physically assaulted it did happen every now and then i fought back because i my dad would try to tell me if someone punches you punch him back which is the right message when you're a kid you don't want to you don't want to be a doormat when you're a child because bullies will just keep pounding you um so it, it was tough at stretches I, I was bullied i remember third grade really bad where one one kid named Thomas picked on me uh, profusely. I actually wrote about that in uh, one of the reflections to uh, a review. This isn't a cheap plug, but in Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library, I actually mentioned that. There was a kid that I managed to befriend who was a bully to me at one point. Um, and I befriend, befriended him, but we used to fight sometimes. He would try to punch me, I'd punch him back. Um, so I experienced this, but then I saw others getting treated horribly. I saw one kid um, get bullied like he was like the kid, like there was like always one kid that was the kid, number one kid picked on, you know, and, um, 
he got bullied profusely the last two years of grade school. And um, I I feel – and then I saw some kids get bullied in high school. High school wasn't as bad uh, for me. For others, there was kids getting hazed. It was bad and on the school bus. You had to, like, run the gauntlet, and you get punched and, you know, try to get through it, and you get hit. And for me, though, that didn't seem as bad because that was, like, you know, it was limited to, limited to certain t- parts of the day while in grade school it was, like, constant. Some kids would get harassed. But my biggest um, shame uh, looking back is not the fact that I was bullied myself because, you know, you can't do anything about that that's going to happen. But it's the fact that I didn't have the strength to call out and defend, to call, to call out people that were bullying others and defend those that were weak enough not to, that they couldn't fight back against uh, bullies. And that's something that will stick uh, with me forever, especially, especially one person that I saw torment another person consistently um, for like a few years. Like the kid, there was one kid that even like, like he, he like um, damaged a kid's face and then he was suspended from school. He should have been expelled. Um, Surprised he wasn't. And then like still like, you know, harass him after that. And that's, uh, it's one of the, like, there's, there's probably less than 10 things that I have real re- regret for my life up to this point, you know, maybe between six and eight things. That's one of the things that I was too weak in order to help that kid. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know I was probably like, I was like 12 years old or 13. It still bothers me be- because bullies have such a, in like, such a deep impact on, on a, especially a child's psyche. They can on adults as well, but when you're a child, you're developing and you're just harassed by someone day after day. That can, that takes a lot of, a lot of time and probably a lot of therapy to get through. And, um, I try to think what that person's like. That's one person in particular that I know their life was hell for years, for a few years. And, um, I don't know what happened to that person. I hope they're out there doing okay. And there are other people bullied at school as well. You know, um, one of the people that did a lot of the bullying, I was friends on and off with through most of uh, grade school. And I, we had like a mini reunion, grade school reunion. I remember this. This was like literally a couple weeks before I moved out here. So this was 2000 and um, 2009. It was just like a Facebook thing, like 15 to 20 of us showed up, you know, like 15 of us. Uh, guys and girls, you know, we, we show up at a TGI Fridays. We talk and shoot the shit for a couple hours, a few hours. And the, 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 one of the bullies was, was there. Not the worst one. Not the one who did a lot of, like, the physical assault. But, you know, he was part of the, you know, the gang, so to speak. And you, you have to give people credit for being able to evolve and move on. So, because now, the, you know, this person was, like, a piece of shit when he was younger. And, and, he, he, and he called me names and... You know, he it was weird because when you were a kid, it'd be one year the kid be friends with you, the next year they'd bully you, then they'd be friends again. You don't know what's going on in a kid's life. They have a you know bad home life, whatever else. I'm just telling you the reality of it. But so this kid that used to bully me a little bit, but more so these other people, um, he was there, and you don't know how you're going to see people evolve from their you know uh, preteen and early teenage years. And then, you know, 15 years, 16 years, years old, how they're going to evolve to be in the, like the late 20s. But, you know, he seemed okay. The guy, he, he, you know, he wasn't as big of an asshole. Maybe realized I couldn't be anymore. Maybe he looked back and realized I was a dick. You don't know. Um, you can't punish someone for something that they did when they were a kid 20 years later, obviously. I'm not saying you should. Uh, you shouldn't have some sort of revenge fantasy. It's too late for that. 
But the fact of the matter is that person, you know, inflicted some damage on some kid and other kids uh, 15 years ago, and they, they don't have to live with it. That other person still has to. And that's that's a, just a cold reality of the world that I don't feel uncomfortable thinking about, but I don't have a nice solution to. There's no, ju- there's no justice to, to a lot of situations in life, but there definitely isn't when it comes to bullying. You rarely see a, a bully get their comeuppance or they go through some sort. It's not like a movie where they go, oh, they apologize to, like in that Adam Sandler movie where he calls up uh, Buscemi's character and apologizes for being a dick to him. So Buscemi crosses him off his you know, kill list. You know, like that, that sort of stuff doesn't, and that was played for comedy. But um, but that sort of stuff doesn't um, happen in real life as much because either people move on. They say, "Oh, I was just a kid." They don't, real, they don't realize the damage they've done psychologically to another human being. They don't want to admit that they could be that monster or, or have been that monster uh, earlier in life. But again, going back to uh, Mr. Reed, I'm just happy that even though he died early, he lived a good life after being bullied, not by another kid, but by someone in power. That was this beloved uh, leader, and uh, uh, especially at his university and in the whole state, one of the most powerful people in his state at the time of Indiana, and that he was able to live past it, uh, get past it, and then be a positive influence on kids and children, uh, being a high school uh, teacher and coach afterwards. And I'm hoping that if you're out there, if you have been bullied and you don't know how to come to grips with it, or you know, you still are struggling with it. Don't let the, my best piece of advice is this. Don't let someone else's shitty behavior try to define who you are going forward. And that might be naive to think that it's that simple to dismiss offhand, but you have to find a purpose, any sort of purpose or any sort of, um, um, best way to put this strive to, Strive to prove that that instance that happened to you earlier in life, that was just a blip in the timeline timeline of your life and that you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to let it define you. That's it. It was shitty. Um, I've felt shit for a while, but through my current actions, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to treat my uh, people with respect. I'm going to, uh, have some fun hobbies. I'm going to have a nice family. I'm going to be a good friend to others. And you try to use that as your guiding light to get past it. If you're having difficulty, if you've gotten past it, I've gotten past it. Uh, my bullying again, it wasn't extreme, but there was some rough patches in grade school. Uh, kids can be cruel. I know that, but uh, you can't let those, those harsh moments and don't let some, some fucking young kid who was a, a dick, uh, because maybe his dad was a dick to him or he was abused or whatever else. Whatever the reason, you can't let that um, define who you are as you move forward. And it didn't for Mr. Reed. So, you know, uh, that that kind of was like a nice sort of a silver lining, even though, the, the, unfortunately, the, the man passed away. It was, it was a silver lining to the situation of a horrible uh, bully who thankfully got ousted and uh, got fired, but shouldn't have been in that position of power for so long anyway. Um, so yeah. Um, if you're out there, you still have those harsh feelings, talk to someone about them. It's the only, only thing I'm going to say, um, reach out to someone and, uh, it'll be easier to, to get through that. Don't bottle up. Don't bottle up the pain. That's, that's, that's the worst. Find an outlet for it. Talk to someone, family, friend, fr- 
friend out there, therapist, if you can access one, uh, pastor, someone at your church or house of worship, whatever, professor. Now, I started this one a little heavier than I thought, but, you know, then again, uh, it depends on my mood, I guess. Um, <laughs> so check it out. The Last Days of Bobby Knight, 30 for 30. That's all uh, I'm going to say about that. I'm proud to be partnering with Harry's. It's the holiday season. It's always tough to pick out a present, especially for, you know, your older brother, younger brother, your dad, your uncle. My father, he has enough ties and socks. He doesn't want any more of that for me. That's why something like Harry's makes a perfect holiday gift. Harry's makes long-lasting quality products at a super reasonable price. They have a 4.5 out of 5-star rating on Trustpilot. And their German engineer blades are as low as $2 each. They have gift sets starting at just $10. The one right here is a Harry's shaver set. It's got the blade here. It's got the little travel protector. It has uh, more blade cartridges for your weighted uh, handle right there. And you get the nice shave cream with eucalyptus. It comforts and protects. Right now, there's a special limited edition set and special offer. As a special offer for fans of the show, I've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including our limited edition holiday sets. When you go to harrys.com slash not so common, plus you'll get free shipping. This offer is for new and returning customers and is only available for the holidays. Each Harry's shaving set comes with an ergonomic weighted handle with an option to engrave German engineer, five blade cartridges that provide a close comfortable shave, a foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your, Trek your blades. I showed you that before. A handsome holiday gift box right here. It's ready to wrap. Or you just want something for yourself. Redeem a Harry's trial offer to experience the quality of shave before committing. So get your holiday shopping done early. Free shipping ends on December 12th. So act now. Go to harrys.com slash not so common to get $5 off a shave set like this one while supplies last. Perfect for the holidays. Perfect for your uncle, your father, your grandpa. Your brother, go again, go to harrys.com slash not so common. And you can't go wrong with a shave set. I'm going to talk real quickly about uh, the video game awards. So the video game awards, they're that yearly game awards show. Uh, Jeff Keeley puts it on. He does a good job to uh, present it. I know he's Canadian, uh, Jeff Keeley. Um, used to be the Spike Video Game Awards. It used to be on Spike. And now it's just, you know, it streams online and everything else. So, okay. We know that the Video Game Awards is not the benchmark for what your award show should be. We know this, man. We know this. But it seems that this year it got a little bit more ridiculous than usual in terms of the ratio of advertisements versus actual award presentations. I watched most of this, it was like two hours and 45 minutes about. I watched 95% of this. I at least followed along. To see what's going on and saying, oh, okay, another advertisement, another interview with a developer to push their game. Okay, I get that. But the issue with the video uh, game awards is that the video game companies are the ones that, you know, put the money into it to put it on. So there is going to be pay for play going on here. I understand that. There's going to be advertisements. This isn't like the, you know, the Academy uh, does the Oscars. So, you know, they, 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 they do it themselves 
So you don't have studios showing the you know the new Star Wars trailer in the middle of the Oscars. You don't see that happening. You don't have people talking about the upcoming superhero movie in between you know best supporting actor and best cinematographer. You don't see that. But that's what the Video Game Awards is. So it really isn't an award show at this point. They're they're trying to change it into a pre E three. And the reason I say that is because whenever they show these uh, trailers for all these uh, video games, and I I stopped keeping count after like eight. All of them are like world premiere. So this is six months away from E three, and almost six about six months afterwards. This is like the pre E three sort of uh, ceremony. That's what this is becoming, which is fine if that's what you want it to be. But then don't call it. Game Awards anymore. In the first hour, they gave out three awards in the first hour. Three. Three! Keep in mind, this is not a show with a traditional um, commercial break. You know, so they don't have to break for commercial. So when they break to something, it's either a world premiere, you know, three-minute trailer for an upcoming game um, or a trailer for something else happening or Sm- uh, Nintendo saying Smash Brothers is coming out later tonight. Be prepared. But then they come back to Jeff Keighley having to interview uh, someone representing the, the you know the, the devs for whatever game they, they showed, asking them more information about it, and like, oh, you been, you were here a couple years ago talking about the game. Now it's coming out, uh, so just pumping up the game. And at some point, it became just white noise to me. I just couldn't track it anymore. I just couldn't. There was just too much going on in terms of what they were doing. And so, again, if you want your show to be that. Uh, I'd I'd really want to see it being owned like that. Like this is what I want this to be versus just oh well let's show up Mortal Kombat 11 and see someone's uh you know someone's head being taken off by by Raiden you know and then Raiden gets killed and then um showing off uh, well you know new new uh, Fortnite stuff's coming it's like okay that's cool but can I actually see people that worked hard in the industry that slaved away can I see them get to speak about their award they're being given for at least a minute. I mean, that would be nice to acknowledge the people that uh, work on these games. Cause unlike, unlike music and unlike TV and unlike um, movies, it seems that video games, you know, as little as possible about the teams of people that go into making these uh, games. Now you can say for movies, yo, there's a lot of people that work on movies. You don't find out about it. Yeah. But at least you acknowledge usually like the director and the person doing the score and the actors and sometimes the editor and cinematographer, if you know what's going on, but with the games, you don't know a lot of times who's, who's even like the director of these games. You don't, you don't, or who's producing them. You don't know who these people are. So it got the most ridiculous when they started, uh, when Jeff would be like on the balcony somewhere or just on uh, talking about, Oh yeah, by the way, there's four more awards coming up. Uh, and so the best award for, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just say like best ongoing game or best um, best uh, best fighting game. You know, they would just without even showing the game say, "Oh, here's here's the category." What was the fighting game one? Let me just put this down. VGA uh, 2018 uh, winners. They would just say the category and then the four games that were up for it, and then just tell you this game won. Quick applause. Move on to the next one. They they would go and this happened three times throughout the night. So. They, in sets of four, they would say within like a minute and a half, award four awards without anyone actually re- going on stage and receiving an award and actually being able to speak for like 30 seconds. So if I had to, like, in the top of my head, tell you the number of people, not 
content creators, we'll get to that. The number of people that actually, or teams that actually accepted an award in two and a half hours was probably around 10 in two and a half hours. Even the Oscars does better than that. Like the Oscars can drag on for three hours plus, but they give out a lot more than 10 awards in three hours. A lot more. And they'll even they'll even show you like, oh, the technical awards were given out yesterday in this other little crappy theater that we don't show you. But they'll at least like show you the people getting the technical awards, get like like getting on stage to speak to, you know, the technical people that do like um, you know, uh, new like CG animation technology and new like lens technology and build new cameras, like you know, the stuff that can't make prime time. There's at least a separate ceremony for them to have their you know, have their day in the sun in front of their like technical peers. And they at least get like you know, uh, Hollywood actresses and actors to host it, to give it some sort of importance to say, Hey, these people are important for our industry, but even though they can't make the three hour, you know, main event that maybe most people out in the U S don't want to see and in, in the world, at least we can give them their time to shine and feel appreciated. The VGAs did none of that. No time for these people to feel appreciated. And even the major awards, um, you didn't get the chance for doing that. I'm looking at some of these, these games that were given, uh, awards that were given away, and, um, you know, best performance. I don't think the guy got on stage. Uh, esports game, like best esports moment, best action adventure game. So a lot of what they did for if, if a game like um, God of War won for something else, uh, they would say like, this also won for action adventure game. So I didn't, so they didn't even have the other categories. They just truncated them all together as much as they could. They just, just, just smashed all the awards together so they can have more commercials. Now, I don't have a solution to this. I don't have a solution at all of how you do an independent game award show on this scale and get the funny for it without having big uh, big uh, tech companies and, and AAA developers and Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft get all, get all their paws into it, give you the money, but don't demand you know this certain amount of ad time for, for our games. I don't know how you do it, but it has to be done at some point because this was an absolute joke and a, and a slap in the face the people actually make the games that for, for most of them, they didn't even get their awards on stage and a, a, a ton of them, you know, they didn't even get their own like category highlight shown of what the game was. It was just a list on Jeff to the, to the, to stage, uh, stage left of Jeff, Jeff Keeley's uh, head was just, Oh, here's the four, you know, fighting games up for here. Here's the four for, you know, best art direction or whatever. Here's the four for, uh, uh, what was the other ones like debut indie game? I'm, I'm looking at the awards right now, and I'm like, well, I didn't see the people get on get on stage for that. Uh, they did have their industry icon uh, award winner again. That's great. I felt like they shoehorned into the first 15 minutes just to get out of the way, though, which I think was weird. Usually, when they, when they do lifetime achievement awards for other um, industries uh, award uh, uh, events, they don't do it like in the first 15, 20 minutes. They usually do all when they know everyone's watching. Whatever, they still did it. That's fine. They gave the guy a few minutes to, to, to speak. This guy used to work on 2K stuff uh, for a long time. Um, and then they had the uh, the content creator award, which this I was the only one saying this, and this isn't, this isn't a sour grapes at all because I'm not going to ever win a content creator award. But it, it's been given away to people uh, that dubiously don't create content in the past to the same degree that you would think would be qualifies as content to this year, almost all the nominees, forgive me if I don't know all the, the, the streamers, they were all streamers. And it looked like all of them did Fortnite streaming. The, the con 
content pat finger quotes content creators were Fortnite streamers and of course ninja won because ninja's a celebrity and yada 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 so all i'm going to say is this i would recommend the vga split out streamer from an actual content creator someone actually creates content that 15 years from now someone's going to go back and want to watch someone's going to you know someone doing a documentary someone doing something on amazon prime or something that's even just a a highly just a high production value research piece of piece of uh, edutainment or entertainment something that like norm the gaming historian does something like james rolf does something where that you put out content that is not something you can just sit in front of a computer screen and stream and um play a game that to me is not necessarily creating content that's you're entertaining people you're streaming but that's a different category to me and i think you can do both without pissing off the streaming community and of course they want to get the fortnite uh fans in their back pocket because fortnite right now is the biggest uh you know game in the world and it's a phenomenon will it be here in the in to the same uh, scope two years from now i don't know but all i know is i went to a christmas party on sunday and i had a, a group of 10 year olds that were all talking about it to each other and i heard them hey you play, play Fortnite?" so it, it is that global phenomenon for a reason there is a reason why epic is making a jillion dollars with it and still not uh, making a new unreal tournament game and yes i will whine about that forever i guess my rule about content creating is this if you can't splice it up into some sort of like season format or it's not something that can qualify to be seen on like Hulu or like a Amazon Prime. Or can you put it on a, in like a DVD or Blu-ray format? Could you put it in a movie theater to be streamed somewhere at a film festival? If you, if you, don't, if you don't like uh, qualify for any of those things at all, I don't think it's like content how I would think of traditional content. You're not, it's not something that um, to me is, is valuable long term. I'll just say that. And it goes back to the whole Let's Play thing as well. Is that true content? I'd say Let's Play is a lot more of a, to me, qualifies as a creative content than than um, someone streaming. So just split out the categories. In, in that case, you can expose people to people that aren't just streamers as well into the industry. Because I, I think people are looking, again, and these are the these are all nominated by, I, I, you know, they're nominated. And I think, I think they're nominated by the, the companies that help sponsored this event but then a bunch of gaming journalists and people actually voted on this but um yeah i i think there's there's definitely a concerted effort to make sure that streamers remain something like the the leaders of the industry because they're giving a ton an immeasurable amount of free publicity and advertising to all these games so make sure that you you know spotlight them i get that but you have to recognize other people as well uh, that's all I'm going to say about the game awards. We'll see what happens going forward, but you got to have a better ratio. I mean, in the past it was like at least 50, 50 awards, I think, and uh, commercials and interviews with uh, developers. Now this was like 80% commercials and puffing up games versus like 20% awards. It, it was really bad. The ratio really, really bad. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy, with their easy-to-use app. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Here's the value of the Robinhood app. Unlike other brokerages and websites, here there is no commission fees. 
Other brokerages charge up to $10 every trade, but Robinhood does not charge those fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. It's designed for ease of use with uh, easy to understand charts and market data. And you can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections like 100 Most Popular, Entertainment Stocks, Social Media, and even curated categories like female CEOs. And you can also look at the analyst ratings uh, to buy, hold, and sell for every stock. So right now, right now, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. You can sign up at notsocommon.robinhood.com. That's notsocommon.robinhood.com and get trading today. And finally, Flex Pro Meals. They're a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre-made meals to your doorstep. Their goal isn't to give you a salad, but epic recipes like steak and veggies. You got uh, burger uh, nochi. There's a lot of good stuff out there. The game day chili is delicious. They're entrees that you may grow up on, but they make healthier versions. Uh, Flex Pro Meals provides a weight loss fat trimmer plan and a lean muscle larger portion plan for a little more a little more per meal, a little more calories, a little more protein. You're working out, you're, you're getting those gains in. <laughs> Some of their most popular uh, entrees are smoked brisket mac, the game day chili I brought up before, breakfast burrito, chicken alfredo, and the list goes on. For 20% off your first order, use code PAT when you visit flexpromeals.com. That's 20% off using code PAT at flexpromeals.com. All right, um, let's talk about something that's come up recently not the first time i've seen something like this come up but it's kind of disconcerting about uh celebrities or uh sports people uh denying science and denying facts and trying to uh just throw things out there thinking that it's not a big deal if i say things like steph curry plucky steph curry back-to-back mvp steph curry saying that the U.S. never landed on the moon. So he did this. Um, he did this on a podcast. Uh, it was the Wing It podcast, hosted by Vince Carter, who's still playing at forty-one, and Kent Bazemore of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, things went off script, according to this Washington Post article, and they were talking about the sounds dinosaurs make when Curry talked about humans never landing on the moon. Then the other players agreed no. And and Curry said, I don't want to start conspiracies. Okay. This is on in the wake of uh Kyrie Irving saying, uh, was it last year or earlier this year that that he believes in, in the uh flat earth uh versus round. Um and it's a weird trend just in general of people saying, Well, I wasn't there, I d I didn't see it in person, so I don't think it it happened. It's dangerous because obviously it, it's batshit crazy. But the fact that you have Steph Curry saying it, who's a beloved idol to millions of kids out there and adults, to say something just so obscenely stupid, I just I don't know why this is a trend. Uh, why you have celebrities coming out saying uh, that vaccines are terrible and don't vaccinate your kids. And then you have what happens from that is eventually then 15 years later, every fucking kid starts getting uh, smallpox and rubella and, and, and uh, mumps again, stuff that's been eradicated by vaccines. And then you see this stuff actually happening again when you start to deny that, well, science uh, and technologies work for us. And let's trust the uh, people that are doing this and not just think, well, I don't believe in it because just because, because my gut tells me not to. 
So what, what's strange about um, the moon conspiracist is that, though, it's one of the easiest things to verify that we've been there, not just from the video we shot that people trying to say that, oh, it was shot by Stanley Kubrick on a soundstage, and that's all been debunked, all that shit. It's the fact that you could go and get a fucking telescope at Radio Shack, if you can still find one, and go look on the moon on a clear night and see the shit that we left up there. Unless we faked that too with holograms. like So it, there's just so many hoops you have to jump through in order to make these conspiracy theories stand up at some point. And I wonder if Steph Curry wonders, you know, maybe he thinks it's no big deal that, oh, you know, I'm just going to deny. And, and by the way, you're insulting. And I, you're, you're not just denying something happened. You're insulting all the effort and all the uh, suffering and work and um, sacrifice that, all those people for decades at NASA did um, the huge risks that the astronauts took. Uh, why do you think Buzz Aldrin punched out that uh, conspiracy theorist who's called him a coward and said, you lie, you never been to Buzz Aldrin, Aldrin punched him out. It's one of the best clips I've ever seen. You know, 75-year-old Buzz Aldrin socked this guy right in his face <laughs> when he was harassing him and telling him that, oh, you're a coward. You should be ashamed of yourself. You've never been to the moon. And Buzz is thinking, I risked my fucking life uh, doing this. Like, like what? Like, really? You're going to tell me I didn't, I was, I didn't go to the moon. So, um, yeah, it's just incredible. This sort of streak of anti-science, anti-thought, anti-intellectualism, uh, to deny things that are, you can look up for yourself and see actually happens. I don't know where it's going to end if it begins here. I just don't know. But yeah, get out your, you know, see the, the, see like the, the moon rover up there. We didn't take that shit back with us. We didn't take the flag back with us. You know, that shit stayed there, that equipment. <laughs> there wasn't room in that, in that pod to get back in that, you know, when they splashed back down in the middle of the ocean. Or they, they probably faked that too, according to the conspiracists. When they splashed back down, it's not like they, they had that dune buggy, that cool-ass dune buggy wasn't uh, wasn't in there. Listen, I know, but they got to shove that thing back in there. Um, just fucking silliness. It, it, it's just silliness. I'm just disappointed because Steph Curry seems like a pretty cool dude. You know, he doesn't seem that arrogant besides when he does his little shimmies on, on the court. And I like watching Steph Curry. He's the greatest uh, shooter, uh, basketball shooter that's ever lived. Not saying player, you can argue that. I'm just saying the NBA like NBA shooter, just shooting a three point shot uh, from impossible distances. The guy believes in science. He must from all the geometry it takes and physics in order to you know shoot. You ever see the shots he takes from the from the um, where you walk off and go towards uh, the back, like, like the little little alley with the over overhang. Every game before that starts, he takes a shot from like 40 feet away and he flings them in. And a lot of times they go in on the first shot. It's incredible. It's incredible. This guy, but it's just, it's just nuts that he can come out and, and in good conscience, knowing that people follow his words and that he's looked up to by countless kids say something that's stupid. It's it just, I, I, it's, it's nuts. I'd say the past 10, 15 years, seeing people that just want to blatantly disregard, you know, uh, not just, you know, hundreds of years of science and people that work hard uh, that study this stuff and dedicate their lives. It's, it's weird to see people that want to dismiss experts in fields, but then deny things that have happened with clear evidence with their own eyes. And I guess this has started with, uh, it really started with 9-11, I want to say that, with those loose change idiots. 
um, thinking that, well, you know, those people are, they weren't really, they're not really dead. And, you know, the 9-11, that didn't happen. You know, those, those people are gone. They flew them somewhere else that, you know, they, they're not all dead. And, you know, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think people like to think that they're more important if they're in on some truth that they, that they think the global masses um, aren't clear about yet. They feel like they're on some sort of quest or crusade. And I'm not saying you shouldn't question things. I'm not, that's what I'm not saying. But when there's like an overwhelming amount of evidence and it's so clear that something happens and yet you have to backbend around the fucking world to the moon in order to say that it didn't happen and throwing out some other theory, pump the brakes a little bit there. Just pump the brakes. That's all I'm going to say. Not everyone can be in on this, uh, you know, massive conspiracy. You know, like, do you understand that the amount of people, I would say the amount of people it would take um, to keep a conspiracy secret like 9-11 or the moon landing, you're talking thousands of people thousands of people would have to be in on a conspiracy like of something that magnitude that large in order to keep it secret before it got leaked out thousands and the one of the best arguments against the the moon uh, landing being hoax was by frank good old frank was that he i guess if you weren't live during the cold war especially in the 50s and 60s that you didn't know how weird it was between us and the and USSR. But Frank had the best ever point, man. He said, uh, especially with the space race going on, he said that, do you realize that if the moon landing was faked, how much that the Russians would have used it as propaganda and, and, and revealed it to the world that we were fakes and phonies and that look at the, us capitalists that we don't know what the hell we're doing and that we're liars. Do you know how much decades of propaganda gold that would have been for the Russians if they could prove that and knew that what we did was uh, was fake? You don't think they were tracking our rockets going up to the moon and with radar tracking us coming back and what we were doing? They weren't watching us and knowing what was going on. You think for a second they would have allowed us to get away with the hoax if we, we, we really didn't go to the moon? Come on, people. Let's 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 like stop. Let's pump the brakes here. Your life's not any less interesting if you can admit that. Uh, we went to the moon. The Earth is round, and yeah, we've uh, there, there's some climate change, and we're probably affecting it, and that we're in trouble. Those are, those these aren't like things that are going to make you less miserable. Maybe in some aspects because you realize you're global, but overall, you can admit these things. You can admit you're wrong. It's 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 not a it's not terrible, especially for stuff that matters. Not insignificant shit like, oh, well, maybe that old video game really wasn't as bad as I thought. I'm talking about stuff that actually matters in the grand scheme of things. So I'm just very disappointed in Steph Curry. And NASA said, uh, they said to Steph, hey, Steph, we'll invite you when you're ever in Texas around Houston, you know, NASA headquarters. Come on, we'll show you the moon rocks. We'll show you the other shit. You know, we'll show you the original, uh, you know, control room (laughs) that we did all this shit. You're just really, imagine if you were a mathematician. That worked on the, you know, the NASA space project in the 60s. Like the women from Hidden Figures. And you have some, you need to hear some ignorant trash like, like saying that we never went to the moon. You're like, you know what? I, I, I was calculating on slide rules how to get to the moon. You're telling me it didn't happen? I'll show you the, I'll show you the notepads of me calculating this shit out. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you my slide rule I used to do this. Unbelievable. This unbelievable. All right, let's go to a little bit of a Q&A, a little bit of a Q&A here. Uh, this is from at Dylan McIntyre, 75. 
Sonic movie. Need I say more? Okay. I'm going to talk about this more with Ian next week uh, about the Sonic movie. There's been a, a poster reveal and people are getting up in arms about uh, the fact that Sonic has fur. He's a hedgehog. And people are saying he shouldn't have fur. He should have, I guess, the quills on him. Um, as in, was it, what, what is he? Is that, is that an, an echidna? What, what the hell's a hedgehog? I don't know. I don't, I'm not a scientist when it comes to that. I'm not going to pretend I'm, I'm, I'm an expert on uh, hedgehogs. But anyway, so people are pissed about uh, Sonic having fur and a musculature, I guess, or it looked like he was more like toned and ripped, arms and legs. This is a live action movie. It's going to look fucked up no matter what to see a blue hedgehog running around. It's not going to be like how he looks in the 2D cartoons or how he's drawn in the video games because it would be so disparate from reality if he looked like how he looked drawn versus sitting next to a human. Yes, I get that. You have to suspend your disbelief anyway because he's a blue hedgehog that runs fast. I get that. But it's going to look stupid no matter what. It's just, well, not it's going to look stupid to you as a Sonic fan or stupid to the general casual moviegoer where this movie is going to live or die upon. Because there's not enough people out there, Sonic fans, to go see a Sonic the Hedgehog movie and not have it uh, be a total bomb. You need to get other people in there to see it. I'm not saying the total design is right or wrong yet because we haven't really seen it. But either way, this is a bad idea to do this movie. Live action. And that's probably what I'll talk about with Ian once we talk about it next week, is that I don't see a good way out. This is a bad idea to begin with. And this is like the, the first in a long line of people getting pissed off. I don't see this going well. This isn't like Mortal Kombat where you can have just people do martial arts against each other. You have to have people standing next to a, a supersonic blue hedgehog and make it not look stupid. Good luck with that. Good luck. Let's see. Uh, best or worst... Uh, Christmas memories. You know, I'll do it next time on the podcast. I'll do that because it'll be Christmas in two weeks from now. I'll probably record the day after Christmas, maybe or maybe the day of. I'll do something because I'm not. I'm going to be here. I'm probably not going to go back home. I'll do it then. Um, there. Uh, how was it to celebrate Christmas in San Diego for the first time? Um, I'll, I'll touch upon this a little bit. It it was it was okay. It wasn't horrible because. Even though you don't have the brutal weather, and, and yes, due to climate change, uh, the, the last few years I came before I came to uh, California, it was seasonably warm during Christmas. But there's a lot of holiday stuff going on. There's a street uh, not too far away that the whole they're famous for the whole um, the whole street. All the houses they put up huge ornaments and they make it like all the houses look like uh, National Lampoon's Christmas. The Griswolds there. Um, Christmas vacation. And then there's other Christmas things going on. Ball Park had a December nights thing uh, a few days ago. I went to that. That was great. There's jungle balls at the San Diego Zoo, one of the best zoos in the world. You check out that. You know, you have some eggnog with a, with a jaguar. It's fantastic. I wish you could do that. But last I went to the zoo, by the way, all the kitty cats were out and the, there's one tiger who looked at me like I was dinner. It was great. Um, so there's, there's Christmas stuff going around. I went to like a a holiday play. It was a Christmas carol that was like set during like the radio. It was like a radio play, like in 1945. It was fantastic. So you make Christmas of what you will. Like the magic isn't just like the snow falling. It's it's giving gifts. It's it's eating too much Italian food, uh, especially if you celebrate uh, Christmas Eve and you're Italian. That's how Christmas is. I don't think the cold and snow adds to it as much as you would think. And it's not like it's like warm in San Diego. Christmas, it's going to drop to like, oh, 54 degrees, 52. And people go, fuck you, Pat. Well, 
you know, it's cold for San Diego. <laughs> Sometimes it gets to the upper 40s, and, and especially where I am, it, it'll be a little colder near the water. A little colder. Um, um, but, that, yeah, it's fine here. Um, you don't need a snowball fight to remind yourself that it's Christmas. You don't. Uh, someone asked about uh, also um, uh, Avengers Endgame trailer. Uh, it was cool, but I was reminded, of course, of the awful Highlander Endgame that I, again, back in college, went to see. Highlander Endgame was a continuation of the Highlander, the series, which is really good. It was on for six years. And also blending in the movie universe of Highlander, which there's one good movie and three awful ones, or now four awful ones. But um, it had Connor McLeod and Duncan McLeod, and Connor showed up in the, in the pilot to sort of bridge the gap between the series, excuse me, the movie and the series, and try to bring the two universes together, even though they're separate. <clears throat> but Highlander Endgame was horrible. Look at my Twitter thread. Horrible. Four different edits or cuts of the of the film. Theatrical, which was never released again after the theatrical. A work print, a radically different work print version, which was discovered online and leaked when the movie came out, back when you did those sort of things on, like, Usenet. Um, and then um, you had the DVD uh, producer's cut. Said of, there was no director's cut, because I think the director must have been pissed about it. Which had different scenes that weren't in either the neither the work print nor the theatrical version, or reshot shit. And then there was an, an alternate version, a second version they decided to put on the DVD, which had more scenes and alternate shit that was not on the other three versions. And had like a even a different ending shot not on the different versions. It's it's miraculous that the movie must have got edited. I, I don't probably a book can be written about how awful Highlander Endgame is, and I did a, that video with Spoonie like seven years ago about it. But the fact that there was so much editing, and, and there was even scenes that were shot that were similar that were reshot. So there were scenes that were um, Jacob Kell with um, with Faith or Kate, who was Duncan's, I guess, wife that he killed because she was a pre immortal, and which which was never discussed in the series anyway. So there was like scenes that were they that they were talking to each other that were reshot in a totally different setting, but with the same similar vein of what was going on. And then the editing was so bad that then even in the officially in both the theatrical and in the DVD version, they repeated a, a sequence in the fight at the end. This is how incompetent this production was. There's a scene in it where like like Duncan does like a spin jump kick to Jacob Kell that's clear as day that they use the same exact shot and angle twice within like a minute in the movie. I remember seeing it in the theater, like, what the fuck is this? And then there's like a really bad edit later on where they like show the same scene with Duncan bringing his sword up. It's the same shot from like two different angles that they repeat. Just incompetence all around. And I can't believe I'm talking about Highlander Endgame, an 18-year-old movie in 2018. That I, I almost asked Adrian Paul what happened with Highlander Endgame when I met him at Comic-Con a few years ago. Uh, he played Duncan McCloud. I think I did. I think he brushed it off. When I asked him, I, well, I wasn't rude. I didn't want to say, hey, how in the ring game? Like, yeah, it wasn't that good. Um, I, I try to like, hey, what, what happened with that how in the ring game? He's like, yeah, I was kind of curious. And I think he sort of just like gloss past it because I probably, probably realized at the time that this is going to be a horrible movie. And that was like Adrian Paul's, the actor's only shot at like fame for being in like you know, an actual Hollywood movie that was released in real theaters. He was abandoned about as a replacement for James Bond at one point. Seriously, like he was one of the guys that like the discussion for being like a James Bond because he looks like, looks like a younger Sean Connery. 
And uh, Highlander Endgame, after that, not so sure. Then after Highlander the Source, sci-fi movie, bad, even worse follow-up. What doesn't happen, Mr. Paul? Uh, sorry, my, my girlfriend at the time loved getting her picture taken with you. I don't know how she got her picture taken when I was a fan of the Highlander. Not sure how that worked out. I got bamboozled on that one, and I paid for the autograph. Anyway, all right. Well, this was a fun uh, not-so-common podcast, I, I believe. Um, you know what makes a perfect holiday gift? Certain NES guidebook. Go to ultimatenes.com. If you want to order that, you can also pre-order a certain Super Nintendo guidebook coming in 2019. If you like this podcast, uh, subscribe on YouTube or your podcast platform of choice, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you're listening to your podcasts. You don't have to do the video. I don't look good all the time. You can just listen on your iPod or in your car, whatever, your your iPhone. Uh, <laughs> you can like the podcast or downvote it, whatever. That seems to be popular with my videos nowadays, my dead career. You can also leave a comment let others know how much you enjoyed or hated me during this, uh, uh, during this podcast. Finally, you can help support me in my endeavors on Patreon. Whatever you can do. <laughs> Patreon.com, whatever you please. Patreon.com slash uh, Pat Concrete. Thanks, everyone, and I'll see you around Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone.